welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in everyday normal rhythms of life. Gentlemen, would you introduce yourself? How's it going, Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director? Sam Schmidt, Pastor at Sacred City Moline. Kevin Kenora, Biblical Counselor. Okay, we are slowly working our way through Donald Whitney's book, The Disciplines, The Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. And now we have come to one of my favorite disciplines. And I'll tell you, it it was never one of my favorites until I was recommended about a decade ago, 12 years ago or so, just to make this a normal practice. And it's the practice or the discipline of silence and solitude. Now, I am not a quiet person, okay, if you didn't know that by now. I grew up with almost zero silence and solitude in my life. My life, I had three siblings, and uh, our house was always, you know, loud, and um, my brother and I would sleep to the radio or to CDs every single night. We had music playing all night long. So, like, we just, hard, I mean, I hardly ever had silence and solitude in my life. And I was encouraged to start taking some silence and solitude days. I think it was about 12 years ago. And it really, you know, changed my life. It was very, it was a formative practice for me where now I have silence and solitude built into my calendar, not just on, I basically take a silent solitude day about every six weeks. Sometimes I ramp it up to every four weeks, but I have that built into my every single day now that I, I, it's a, it's a, it's vitally important for me to wake up before everybody else and go find some place where I can be silent and and have solitude, no music, nothing else going on. Um, how does Whitney what is, how does Whitney define the silence and solitude as a spiritual discipline? He calls it the voluntary and temporary abstinence from speaking so that certain spiritual goals may be sought. All right. So it's kind of shutting off our mouth and shutting off everybody else's mouth, too, in a sense. So mm-hmm. for us, getting off social media, unplugging from the podcasts, turning off music so that you can basically hear the Lord or you can maybe even hear your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. You can, Sam reminded me of a, of a quote before we got on air here, on air here. And we think it, I think it was Blaise Pascal who said it. it says something to the effect of all of men's problems stem from the, rea- the, the, the fact that they can't sit in a room alone and be quiet. In other words, because when we're alone with our thoughts, our thoughts can overwhelm us. We feel insignificant. We feel afraid. We feel like we should be doing something and getting something done. We feel like a fraud. We feel shameful. And because we are so uncomfortable with ourselves. And maybe in, in the presence of God, because there's nothing. It's like Adam. Adam sins, and 
God comes looking for him, and Adam hides in the bushes like God's not going to find him. And then they cover themselves up with fig leaves. It's like when you get in the presence of God, you feel uncovered, you feel exposed, you feel vulnerable, and we, we, we fear that vulnerability. vulnerability. Mm-hmm. We fear that exposure, that yep. nakedness, and so we try to cover ourselves with the fig leaves of busyness, entertainment, social media, music, noise, right? We just try to distract ourselves from the reality that we stand naked before God, the God to whom we, mu- we must give account. Right? Do you think we could say that it's almost like a fast from the noise and the busyness around us? <clears throat> yeah, for sure. I think it's a, I think it's a, definitely a form of fasting. Mm-hmm. I think it seems like a lot of people um, more stay away from this because when you look out into the world, if you're not busy, if you're not looking busy or doing something, you're shamed, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, when you're shamed, no one wants to be shamed. So everyone's always looking busy and trying to be busy and trying to over-communicate how busy they are so that other people are like, oh, that, that person's doing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and they call this the tyranny of the urgent, yes. right? There's always something. There's always a bill that needs to be paid. There's always something you can do right now in the moment. Dishes need to be done. Diapers need to be changed. Gas needs to be put in the car. Oil needs to be changed. Grass needs to be mowed. There's always urgent things. And yet, many times, those urgent things are not the most important things. Right. And one of the blessings of having a silence and solitude day is you can get out of the urgent. You can get out of the immediate stuff that's got to be done. And you can think about the important things. Yeah. So I've kind of got a little inventory journaling document that I walk through the most important roles of my life, the most important identities, the most important people. And I just say, how's it going? Like, how is my soul right now? And I ask myself some questions and how's my relationship with my wife? How's my relationship with my son? How's my relationship with each of my daughters? Bam, 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 bam. I go through and I start thinking about that. How am I doing as a pastor? How am I doing as a brother? How am I doing as a son? And I go through all of these different identities that I have that I, that need a piece of me. Right. Yeah. And I just kind of do an inventory and say, what needs to happen in each of these areas? Mm. The Lord might tell me, you know, I need, to, I need to fast social media or something. The Lord might tell me I need to take my daughter on a date. I need to take, go have this conversation with my son. I need, a lot of the times I do this for ministry as well. Like this next C- series, I think we need to work on this sermon series. I think I need to do this leadership training. I think I need to buy a building. You know, like, the, like God kind of direct when I get away and get out of the hustle and bustle um, I can think about the important things and not just the the urgent things so I'm just gonna ask and maybe a lot of people are probably like as they're listening to this thinking like that sounds like you're working it sounds like instead of like you actually doing the things you're actually writing the things down well so it's not a Sabbath Mm -hmm. right it's it's a step back, right? It's a separation from from man, from yeah. from that hustle, but that doesn't mean 
yeah, it's, it's not a it's not a day off, mm-hmm. right? Right. It's a step back to focus inwardly, right? Yeah. It's I like this. Oh, go ahead. Sam. I was gonna say I think that's that's one of the, you know, you, when you think about silence and solitude, it's important to have the mindset that it's not a vacation. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not inactivity. Um, although you are refraining from certain activity or you're breaking from the schedule, actually, I think it's one of the most productive things that you can do. It's also one of the hardest things you can do because you're so used to the, the tyranny of the urgent. Or you're so used to, to the, the appearance of productivity. Mm. But like you said, it, it's the ability to figure out what is the priority, what is the most important thing that gives you clarity to move forward. And if, you, if everything's hazy, if everything's foggy about you know getting pulled in different directions, silence and solitude, um, the Lord had just by muting the rest of the world, the Lord has a way of, of capturing your attention in a way and directing you towards that thing that is the most urgent, that is the most, what, what would lead to uh, a greater productivity or, or greater kingdom-mindedness that actually does develop um, a more effective disciple or a more effective disciple-maker. Yeah, yeah, we could fail in a lot of different ways. You can, you can fail or you could succeed at things that don't matter. Yeah. Mm. And so a silence and solitude day or retreat or half day or whatever it is. <clears throat> Here's the, the analogy that I was told a long time ago. When you're in the river, you're paddling and working hard just to stay afloat, just to stay on path, just making sure you're not going to hit the rock, you know, the rapids, like you're paddling and you might not be aware of everything that's going on around you. A silence and solitude retreat is pulling off to the side getting some elevation so you can see things from a different perspective. Yeah. So when it comes to like ministry, like day in, day out, I'm working in the ministry. I'm answering phone calls. I'm answering texts. I'm reading, I'm studying, I'm counseling, I'm praying, I'm planning, I'm writing sermons. I'm doing all this stuff on a solitude day. I'm no longer working in the ministry. I'm now working on the ministry. Yeah. So, I'm no longer working like in my family. I'm now working on my family. Yeah, I'm yeah. no longer working in my marriage. I'm working on my marriage. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer, you, you, get, you get the thing. I'm yeah. getting some perspective. <clears throat> Long time ago, guys told me a change of pace plus a change of place equals a change of perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and so this is why I, when I do silence and solitude days, I don't do my, my study. I don't do them at home. I go somewhere. Yeah. Now, I used to just go drive out to Leclerc and just sit by the river. If it was nice enough, I'd just sit by the river and I'd just have my solitude day th- there and I, then I'd go get eat at a restaurant or something. <clears throat> I've had them at, at parks. You know, I've traveled places these days What I, I have it because I have it scheduled and it's half the time they're during the winter. I just get a cheap Air, Airbnb somewhere in the quad cities a lot of times it's in leclerc i like to have a river view i like to have a water view something about staring at water does something good to my soul and so i'll just sit on the porch and stare at the river and then pray and read and write and ask some of these questions um again so i can work on my life not just in my life i can work on my family not just in my family i can work on my job my ministry not just in my my yeah. ministry. And I just kind of want to go back to what Sam was hitting on a little bit is talking about how hard it is. I don't know about for you guys, but when I first started doing solitude, like I'm a, I'm a busy person. I'm an eight on the Enneagram talking about, you know, th- those pieces earlier in our podcast. But like 
I love getting stuff done and to be able to slow down and do nothing is one of the hardest things. So can we talk to that a little bit? It could be hard for the busy person, but then it could be hard for the lazy person. Yeah. So can we, can we touch on those things a little bit? Yeah, I think one, one of the things that's helped me develop, because it is a discipline. The first th- time I did it, it was probably not super productive because I was fighting the it's almost like fasting where you're fighting that, that initial impulse of, oh, I got to check my email. Oh, I got to respond to this text right away or, or social media is still a distraction. You have to be able to put it away and have the discipline to, to set rules or boundaries for yourself of this is what this time is going to look like. And I'm going to, I'm, in order to have the best time that I can have or the more, most productive time or the most refreshing time that I can have, I have expectations or, or parameters for myself that I set out that keeps me from just wasting my time Uh, and so if you can articulate what those things are or even what your goals are going into it a lot of times the night before I go on solitude I'm thinking okay here's what I'm I'm asking the Lord to do in this time Um, I'm hoping to get clarity about the next sermon series or I'm hoping to get clarity about this relational thing that I'm going through right now and and the Lord speak to me through that I'm asking the Lord that my prayers are are revolving around that my my studies revolving around that my quiet time is is all about that Um, so going into it with a plan I think is really helpful because uh you know, time away can really easily turn into a vacuum where there's still things that pop up and, and it's just whatever becomes most pressing or whatever comes to mind or even just the, the mental distractions. I remember early days of, of Bible 101. I feel like one of the best pieces of advice when you're saying, hey, what do you need to do to st- study your Bible well? You know, you need your Bible, you need a place, maybe a cup of coffee. But the other thing you said is have your to-do list next to you mm-hmm. so that as things pop up, you write it down so that that thing doesn't come, oh, I need to go do this now. But instead of, of that thing circling in your mind forever and ever and ever, you get it out of your mind. It's on a piece of paper. You can come back to it later. And then it just clears the slate. Yeah. And then again, you can put, put your mind to what the thing is that you want to focus on the most. That's good, man. Yeah, so I think there's an important thing that Sam and Justin, you're both, you're both highlighting, right? A solitude, silence and solitude needs to be intentional, right? Which means it needs to be proactive, not reactive. So it, it sounds like you guys are saying it's not effective to go into a Tuesday morning and go, oh, well, I guess I don't have anything to do today. I might as well take a solitude day. But to be intentionally scheduling it, planning it, setting goals for it. Is that accurate? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. But I think it's, that's important, too, because, I mean, there's so many people that always just, like, wake up and try to plan their day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Craig Rochelle was talking about the eight pillars of, of discipline and talking through, like, prepping and um, – and preparing your night so that you know what you're getting yourself in, getting yourself into as you wake up and go into the next morning. Yeah, if it was up from up to me, <clears throat> like day to day, I would never take a solitude day. Every time they pop up in my calendar, I say something like, "I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I can't. I have too much going on. I can't afford to take this solitude day." <clears throat> but I've just disciplined myself in such a way, even during this building remodel. I've still taken them. Now, most of them have only, actually all of them have been half days, but I'm still doing it for yeah. at least a half a day. And I'm getting out of town. I'm getting out, of, out in a new place, in a new perspective. And I'm, I'm working on my life and, and not just in my life. So yeah. I never feel like I have, I, I, I can't do this. I always feel like I just can't do this. I, I, I'm too busy. I have too much stuff going on. But I also see the benefits. My wife, so I am an extrovert, but you are. <clears throat> yeah, I am. Mm. But barely. <clears throat> so I'm just over 
so I'm I'm 100% happy in crowds. I you know you guys if you've been seeing me in a crowd, um, I have a big personality and I enjoy people and, and people can bring the best out of me and I get loud and I have a lot of fun. But people also in that type of environment it it drains my battery, and silence and solitude fills my battery or charges my battery. And my wife said one time she's like she could tell I came back from solitude day, I was more engaged with the kids. I was more present with her asking her how her day was. I was just, I was just more present. And she said like, man, I always think you're just, I always think you're the biggest extrovert. And then you come back from these solitude days and you're just a different person. And it's because I come back charged. I've thought about what's most important. My to-do list isn't most important. My family's most important. My relationship with God's most important. Yeah. I'm more aware of what's going on in the kids. I'm not staring at my phone and answering emails and trying to respond to text messages at the dinner table or, or in the kitchen. I'm more aware that these kids are my number one mission field right now. You know mm. what I mean? And so silence and solitude has a way of refocusing you on your priorities. Sometimes our week, our, our plans for the week can get in the way <laughs> of our 50-year goals, hmm. right? Our 50-year goals, I want a worshiping, I want all my kids to worship Jesus. I want all my kids worshiping at this church, serving God's church. Uh, you know, like I've got big plans for my family, right? And for the next generation. But sometimes my week long, my week goals don't even involve my kids, hmm. right? I got to get stuff done at work. I got to get stuff done at this house. I got whatever it is I'm doing. And so getting on the bank, getting some perspective allows me to say, oh, you know what? Actually, this kind of stuff's not that important. What's most important is my relationship with God, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids. And I need to focus on that right now. Now, where does this come from? Well, this comes from the scriptures. (laughs) I am blown away when you read the life of Jesus who was the perfect man how often Jesus practiced silence and solitude yep. and he had a line of people that he was like that needed to get healed yep. <laughs> right but he still went away and prayed well, and had solitude yeah he had all those needs pressing in on him but he also which is kind of like if you're a brain surgeon and you've got like a line of patients out the door and you're like, hold on, I, I need to go take a day off. I can only do two a day. You know, but, like, whoa, <laughs> two a day. <laughs> but Jesus had an even greater ministry because he yeah. was casting out demons. He was healing the sick that nobody could heal. Yeah. And yet he would stop and mm-hmm. go out into the wilderness, go out under the water, go out into a boat. So there's that. But then there's also the aspect that he was omniscient, omnipotent God. Yeah. His will was one with the Father's. And yet, still, in his humanity, he needed silence and solitude to commune with the Father. So it's wild, because when you look at that, like, we're all human, right? There's a lot of eights in this room, and it's like, who do we think we are to think that we don't need rest and solitude? If God himself took a break from healing, took a break from teaching, and went away to the ultimate source that he know he needed it. Yep. Yeah, Man. we're arrogant idiots. That's what we are. <laughs> Repent. 
Yeah, we think we're self-sufficient. Yep. Well, that or... I remember this quote from Eugene Peterson. And he says, many people prefer busyness and frenetic activity because they're so deeply afraid to meet the real God, mm. yeah. to encounter the real God who throws us into disequilibrium, throws us, off, throws us off, might ask something ridiculous from us. So, on my solitude day, God... Now, listen, when I say this, I do not mean God audibly spoke to me. I mean, I was studying the scriptures and I got an impression in my spirit that God wanted me to do something. And it was during Ezra and Nehemiah. It was during Ezra, I think. And God said to me, you need to start a building campaign. Mm. And I was like, oh, no. Uh, no. I hate asking people for money because of the poorly, poor ways I saw it done in my past and manipulation and all kind of stuff. I hate it. And God said, this is, what, this is what's next for you. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. No, I don't want to do this thing. And what pro in so many ways, it was the worst thing that God could have said to me. I did not want to do it at all. I knew what went into it, years worth of asking people for money and you know, capital campaign and requesting money and just the all the stuff that goes into the, the, the administration of it. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. But he told me to do it. And so I was like, all right, fine, let's do it. And obviously, a couple months later, well, it was probably like six months later, God gives us this building and now we got the money because we did that, we got the money for it. Like God knew what I didn't know, knew yeah. what we needed. But that's the kind of stuff that God will do on your silent, when you're taking silence and solitude. Yeah. He will ask you to do things that are really uncomfortable. You know, he'll put a finger on that sin that you've been hiding or that sin that you've been not dealing with. Mm -hmm. He'll ask you to start tithing. He'll ask you to give more than your tithe. He'll yeah. ask you to do something radical. You know what I mean? He'll ask you to reach out to that neighbor that you can't stand. He'll ask you to go and reconcile with that brother and sister in Christ who you've been um, acting like you don't have a problem with, but you've really been bitter at and grumbling against and gossiping. And he'll ask you to go reconcile with that person. Yeah. Like silence and solitude, you know, God will, God has a way of getting your attention and disrupting your plans for your life. Yeah. I think so many people are afraid is because they haven't had an encounter with the, the true God. And when you had an encounter with him, you know that he is trying to protect his sheep, right? And he's, he's gracious, he's loving, he's gentle and lowly um, to his people. But at the same time, like, we think it's so offensive because we have been shaped and uh, molded by the culture instead of God's word. And I think that's the hardest part of why people are so against hearing what the true God has to say. Yeah. Yeah, we prefer busyness, we prefer hectic schedules than a disruptive encounter with the God who is a consuming fire. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, Charles Spurgeon says about 
solitude. He says, I commend solitude to any of you who are seeking salvation. Mm. First, that you may study well your case as in the sight of God. Few men truly know themselves as they really are. Most people have seen themselves in a looking glass, but there is another looking glass that gives true reflection into which few men look. Mm. To study oneself in the light of God's word and carefully to go over one's condition, examining both the inward and outward sins and using all the tests which are giving us in the scriptures would be a very healthy exercise, but how very few care to go through it. So in that silence and solitude, studying God's word, it gives you the opportunity to say, man, how am I actually doing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, am I, am I doing well? Am I doing, am I a good husband? Mm -hmm. Right. Am I being a good Christian? Am I being a good missional community member? Am I being a good father? Yeah. Right. I've got a little one to 10 that just rate myself. How's my relationship with my wife? How's my relationship? And I just rate myself on all those, in all those avenues. And you know, I'm like, all right, where do I need to work? I think when you look at it too, it's like, have you drifted and went astray? You know, um, I, I I preached on the, the lost sheep and gave the analogy of, like, the ocean. Everyone loves going to the ocean. Um, you have your beach towel. You have your tanning lotion. You have your, your whole setup, right? You, you set up camp on the beach. But a lot of times the, the current takes you down the ocean, and you look up, and it's just like, wow. I look up. Someone stole my stuff. Mm-hmm. It's because <laughs> over and over again, you... You, you have went astray so long because you have never focused on what God has called you to do, how to raise your family up, and, and how That's to work analogy. on the, the family. That's a good analogy. Yeah, you're swimming in the ocean, playing, having a good time, busy, not floating, whatever you're doing. Yeah. You look up, you're half a mile down the beach. Yeah. Don't even know. you're, And that's what happens in life. Mm-hmm. We're focused on career goals. We're focused on getting the kids to practice, ordering groceries, cleaning the house, all those urgent needs, and then you look up, and you've drifted from your goal. You've drifted from your priorities, and you don't even realize it. Yeah. When was you know, the last time you had family dinner? When was yeah. the last time you had family devotions? When yeah. was the last time, right? That you've it goes a week. Yeah, it goes it goes a month. And before you know it, for some some people, it's been three years. And the only time you actually get somewhat of a devotion or, or hearing God's word is when you come to church, and it's not enough yeah. to be able to live out the life that God has called us to live. Yeah. Now, one of the things that people often ask me, oh, that's nice for you, Justin, because you're a pastor. Mm-hmm. Right. First off, I did this when I went to Omaha and I was working at Whole, Whole Foods. I did this. Okay. On one of, I, one of my days off, I planned and I went to, I went to a Catholic um, monastery. I found a Catholic monastery and I would go there and I'd bring all my books and Bible and everything. And I would sit in this monastery, which is a really good place to do silence and solitude, honestly. Yeah. And I would... I did the same thing when I wasn't a full-time pastor. Mm. So I think anyone can do this. You can do it at a park. You can do it anywhere. Other thing people say is, well, what about the stay-at-home mom? Like, we've got kids all the time. Well, I I would say work out a time with your husband. Mm. It might not be a full day. It might be half a day. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe it's the coffee shop. Maybe it's somewhere else. You put on ambient noise or something like that or, or non-vocal music and you can go to the coffee shop. Work it out with your husband where he can watch the kids for that, that, half, that half day, mm-hmm. right? Or that day or, or, what, or whatever it is. But those are, easy, those are defeater beliefs, but everyone can do this. Yeah. The other thing you could do, 
this, it, you could do this in a different way. You could do this fishing. Mm-hmm. You could do this hunting. You can do this. One of the things that I usually do on my, my uh, Silence and Solitude days is I like to do something physical. So I will go for either a long bike ride or I'll go for a long walk or a hike in the woods. Again, what I'm doing, I'll have those goals and those thoughts, but I'm, I'm being active. I'm not just sitting. Yeah. I'm not just sitting down doing absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's, it's really helpful. For That's me. good. I agree. I my, my experience is the same with that. Being out specifically, being out in nature when the weather allows. There, not only does God's word communicate things about God to us, but His creation does as well. Like. The scripture time and time again is look at the sparrows, look at the lily of the valley, look mm. at the ant, O sluggard. Mm. Right? God's creation can also bring this convictional word, prophetic word to us that helps us reflect on, again, who God is and his grace, his glory, his, his might as creator that translates into the everyday life. That if you're so busy, if you're in the schedule, the grind of things, you, you're, you're focused on what's in front of you. You don't have time to get that perspective, that yeah. time away or silence brings with you. So I, I've really benefited from... Yes, sitting down and being quiet, having my Bible, reading, quiet time, but also walking through the woods, uh, yep. walking along the riverside. Like that, there's something about it's a grace that God gives us to be able yep. to go out creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the things that it's helped me to do, this is actually how I start every solitude day, is I just write down as many evidences of grace as I can possibly think of. Because most of the time, Again, I don't want to be there. I'm frustrated. I got so much stuff to do. I'm stressed out. Now I'm gonna, it's going to take me even longer to do all my things. So I just start with evidence of grace. And one of the, one of the benefits and the blessings of silence and solitude is that it just creates in me a deeper level of gratitude. Mm, yeah. When I go, man, 10 years ago, I was praying for the things that I have right now. Yeah. Right, like I was begging God to do what He's already done in my life now in the past, like past ten years. God is good, man. So I need to be really grateful and gratitude and show my gratitude to God, right? And, yeah. j- and just declare these evidences of grace because grumbling and complaining is is a sin. It's but I think that I think that, I think that's good though. Be, that the way you broke that down is um, just writing down evidences of grace because we, we do have people that are like ah. Oh, that just sounds like a lot. Like I'm anxious. I'm gonna, you know, I, I got. I'm already dealing with depression. That just sounds like a lot going into a solitude day. But when you actually just said, just writing down the evidence of grace, hopefully that freed somebody so that you can actually be able to see and hear what God is trying to show you. Where it's like, I've been doing that in your life the whole time. Yeah. But will you receive it? Will you actually see it? Will you hear it? Will you understand what I'm trying to do in your life? And I yeah. think that's really good. Yeah, I mean, Psalm 23, right? The shepherd wants to lead us, you know, by still waters. He wants us to lie down in green pastures. Yeah. So there's meant to be the silence and solitude. And and listen, there's been many a solitude day where I just take a nap. Like, I'm reading, I'm praying. Amen, take that nap. And then it's like, (laughs) man, I, I could caffeinate myself right now or I could just take a nap. Man. It's like just take a nap, bro. Yeah, take a nap. That's good. You know, so Jesus took naps. Yeah, he took naps. <laughs> he took naps. Be Some, like him. <laughs> sometimes the most holy thing you can do, I think J.I. Packer said, sometimes the most holy thing you can do is just take a nap. Yeah. Because when you take a nap, you're telling the world and everybody and yourself, 
<clears throat> God's in control. God's got this. It ain't on me. That's good. I can man. rest and relax. That's good. So, so this one might be one that you've never practiced. And you might be really afraid to practice. Um, I would I would encourage you, give it a try. Lots of places in the Quad Cities to to try out a solitude retreat or take some silence and solitude. We think it'd be really beneficial to your soul. If you've got specific questions on what I, what we do on our solitude day or best practices, send us an email. I would love to help you. Um, but man, we really want to see you guys do this and we think your soul will, will thrive when you do it. So Guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you made it this far, please share this podcast with somebody you love. Give us a like on Facebook or a like on um, iTunes. We would really appreciate it. It helps other people find our podcast. And know that we really do. um, We're really glad that you're listening to us. We love you. We're praying for you. And God bless.